Jesus said, from our reading that Pat read to us earlier on, that we will be known as his disciples by what? The way that we express our love. Because the love of the Christian should be very, very different to the love expressed by those who don't know Jesus. Would you all agree with that? I love living in this area. Walked to work this morning here and the just coming through all the trees and it's just beautiful and, and it's just yummy. Especially this time of year where all the different plants are starting to flower and, and you walk past those things and, and there were joggers going past me and I had no fear of being mugged. Can't say that about everywhere, can you? It was just great. Do you love living where you are? As I look around here, we all live in some pretty nice suburbs. And there's people here from Queensland and they would even say the same sort of thing. Um, Probably if you chose to, you had breakfast this morning. And tea last night and lunch yesterday, and breakfast the day before. Would that be right, Graham? Absolutely. (laughs) You can, unless you choose not to. You know, we're pretty fortunate, aren't we? We who gather in this church, like so many churches in this area, we are blessed. We are truly blessed and we love it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing. But what do we do with that? What do we do with it? That's the question. Has God blessed us for a purpose? Or do we just take what we have and gather it around us and say, Look, I am blessed. And we acknowledge God in that. Jesus grew up really as a middle class person at his time. The middle class was actually quite small. The smaller class was the upper class, but the poor and the sinners were the much larger, by far the largest class. Jesus, along with the priests and the Levites, the tradespeople, the fishermen, all of those sort of people, the professional people, the tradespeople, all were classed in the middle class. So it may not have been a a leafy suburb like us here because, remember, in Australia, I think I've got this right, we are only second in our average income in the world to Norway and we have the highest standard of living in the world. So I think that's correct or it's the other way round. It doesn't matter. We're still up there. And some people even move from South Africa to here. So it's pretty good. Our middle class in Australia is very, very different to the middle class in many other places. 
So we had the middle class in, 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 in Jesus' time. Above them were the, the uh, high priests, the rich landowners, the Herods and so forth. And then there was this very large poor group and they would have been the poor, monetary terms, the disabled through mental or physical health who, who needed to be um, needed to beg for a living because they couldn't work. There were the those who weren't poor in the monetary sense, and in fact, they were the outcasts for a different reason: the tax collectors or those who owned cash converters, those who lent money for interest at the time, which was against the law of God. So they chose to live outside of the law, the prostitutes. All of the people who chose to live outside of the law and they were all the outcasts. And here in the reading we have today, we have Jesus talking about love as he did. So when we scoot over to some verses like Mark 2, 13 to 17, you don't have to look it up, I'll just refer to it. But the Pharisees came to the disciples and said, Look at this fellow, this Jesus of yours. He's sitting and eating with publicans and sinners. Now the thing is here is that they recognised that those people needed to hear of God's mercy and love. That wasn't the issue. these people, these outcasts, these people who chose to be outside, the publicans, the, they were the tax collectors, not the publican as we understand it today who owned the hotels. Publicans were the tax collectors, the sinners who lived outside of the law of God, prostitutes and so forth. It's not that they didn't need to hear of God's mercy and turn to him and change their ways, but it was the fact that he actually sat and communed with them. He sat and ate with them. He sat and shared a table with them. He sat and conversed and shared a joke with them. He got down to their level and sat and fellowshiped with these people. That was the problem. In Luke 10, 25 to 37, we have the story, and if you choose, you can look this one up. Luke 10, 25 to 37. Now, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. This is the story where the expert of the law came and spoke to Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. He asked, in some ways, an impertinent question. Yes, well, who was my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side of the road. So to a Levite, when he came in the pla- to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he travelled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out his two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him and when I return I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This would not have been an easy thing for this guy to hear. There was the social structure of the time. You had the priests at the highest level in the social structure. Then you had the Levites, those who served in the church, as it were. And then you had the ordinary Jew. And then you had the sinners as we talked about before. And then you had Samaritans and then you had, which were a mixed race, and then you had the Gentiles. So I'm sure that when Jesus started talking to this fellow, when he said a priest walked by and then he heard the Levite walk by, What next do you think would have come? An ordinary Jew, for sure. But he didn't. He pointed out those who, first of all, should know better. The ones who serve in the house of God. And then he went straight down to the Samaritan. Now, at the time... This road uh, was notorious. He picked a, a, this. This parable was very real in many ways to this uh, to this person. It was known for people to be beaten up and robbed. Very normal. And when these when this man was was beaten, sometimes what happened 
that person was left there as a decoy. So when the next person came, came over to them, others came from behind bushes and rocks and attacked them. And so they then were also beaten and robbed. Jesus also points out something else. That they were going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now many of the priests and the Levites would have, been, would have come from Jericho to Jerusalem to serve in the temple. And by if he'd said that, then quite possibly they could have returned and said, my duties in the temple could not have been fulfilled because if I touched the dead person, I would have been unclean and therefore I would have not been able to do my serving in the temple. But he pointed it this way, that he was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, away from the temple. So here was the priest. To give him the benefit of the doubt, he knew the road, saw the person thinking in his head, it could be a trap. I could put myself into danger if I do that. I've still got on my priestly robes and I need to be cautious. A whole range of things may have gone through his head. Put yourself in his position. May you have said, I'm older and I'm frail, am I not able to do that? I'm young and inexperienced, I wouldn't know what to do. But they walked by. The Levite did the same. A person who serves in the temple and walked by. But here came a Samaritan. He first of all put himself in harm's way, possibly. And he went and he dealt with this person. So the person that was on the ground also remember it says that he was stripped naked. So what caste was he? Was he poor? Was he middle class? Was he actually of the wealthy class? You know, when we're naked, we're all the same. There is a colour of skin that may make a difference. But the fine clothes or the dirty and smelly ones are all gone. The outward appearances, when we're cut, we're bruised, we're covered in dirt, and we're beaten, the outward appearance is all the same. So the Samaritan, like the priest and the Levite, had no idea who this person was. But he went And maybe he had a glance around, but his heart was there with that person. And he knelt down and he brought from the donkey oil and wine and cleaned up those wounds, covered him with his own cloak. Didn't matter that it got blood or mud on it. Didn't matter that it got dirty and needed to be washed. Didn't matter. 
He dealt with him there with first aid and then lifted him up on the donkey and he took him to the inn and he cared for him there. Then he had to leave, you see. He possibly also had business to attend to. His time was probably just as precious as the priest and the Levite. He also had things to do. And he left the money and said, here's the visa, just take what you need. Just take what you need. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn. Do you remember how we talked about that? That deep expression of sorrow that is in the heart. As we look at our world, these days as we look at the world here, we may say, hey, this is pretty good in the leafy suburbs of the northeast of Melbourne. But Graham, what images do you see on telly on the six o'clock news? They're not like this out here today, are they? Or sometimes we see or hear, I heard on the radio this morning, what was it, five people who were going home from their temple last night, Jewish people were beaten terribly in these suburbs in Melbourne and the five of them are now in hospital with broken bones and and so forth. What do we hear about the shootings in Melbourne of late? The various things that are happening not only in our own community but look at what's happening in Syria. Does that break your heart? As we mourn, we mourn the sin of the world. That's what it's saying to us. Do we mourn because this is not the way God created it? And as we mourn these things for the the poor and the mentally ill, for the physically disabled who are not always treated with dignity, do we mourn that this is not the way that God's love should be expressed? And do we listen to our heart and seek to do what God calls us to do in these circumstances? You know, I look at little lace sometimes and I have a particular picture on my phone that Millie sent. That's my granddaughter, sorry, for those who don't know. And she's, I don't know, eight weeks old, nine weeks old, somewhere there. And, and there's a particular picture that she's sitting, laying back in her mum's arms and the eyes are rolling back in the head and there's milk still all around her cheeks because she's as full as a gorg, just had a massive feed. She had a few issues with her tummy because she was four weeks prim and with the immature gut wasn't able to process some of the milk. And so, no problems. You know, paediatrician just said, do this, we'll do this and we'll change the formula. All available on the shelf. Everything available. And here she's sitting back and she's, the milk's just running around and she's just full. 
And do you know where my mind went? My mind went to some of those pictures that we see of the mothers with the African babies in their arms. And those emaciated babies with their limbs as thick as my thumb. Do those mums love their baby any less than Millie does Lovelace? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But their circumstances are so different from ours here in our leafy suburbs. And do we mourn those circumstances? Is our heart torn from what we see? And do we seek God in how we respond? Tim Costello spoke Friday week ago at the Melbourne Prayer Breakfast and he told of a, of a man that he'd very recently met in Lebanon. And he was walking through this, very, this little bazaar and and this man called him over because he was just meandering really. He called him over and said, come and have a coffee with me. I don't know if this man had recognised Tim because of the work he was doing there at the moment. He may well. But he sat down and had this coffee with him and heard this man's story. As they drank coffee, he heard this man was a Christian, brought up by a Christian family. And they talked and they talked about Syria. And the man beckoned him and said, come with me. And they went into his little shop where he lived and there were nine adult Syrian Muslims plus their children whom he was housing and feeding and caring for in his home. And they went back out and they talked about this. He said, now, you're a Christian brought up by this minority, so born into this minority group. You probably would be praying for one side of this conflict to win. Would that be correct? Yes, I am. And he said, what about those people that you've got in there? He said they pray five times a day for the other side to win. He said, so why have you taken them in and are caring for them? You're not rich. No, but this is the love that God calls me to have. If those people were naked, would we know that they were any different. This man saw them as humans that Jesus loves, that Jesus would sit and have a meal with, that Jesus would sit and commune with, that Jesus would sit and fellowship with. That's not the way that we always see people. You know, in the same way that the people in Jerusalem at the time categorised people, 
we often do the same. It may look different in the categories that we put people in. It may look different. But we still do it. Brendan Nottle is coming to speak at the men's breakfast in a few weeks' time. And he was sharing on the radio and I was chatting to Lee about this yesterday. And I've heard it on a number of occasions. But there's no need for a person to be homeless in Melbourne in this day and age. And in fact, as I was leaving the uh, uh, Hamadava Cafe in, uh, in the city which is run by the Salvation Army uh, two weeks ago with David, here was a homeless guy sleeping on the floor, on, on the ground in this alleyway with an electric lead coming out of somewhere down with his laptop plugged in. <laughs> is that a Western homeless person? But they're not all like that. Whilst we, we had a laugh at it at the time, but they're not all like that. And whilst there's no need for a person to be homeless in Melbourne, there's a lot of reasons why some are. The greatest reason is mental illness. The next reason is family breakdown and people choose through that broken relationship to go and separate themselves from their family. And we can easily walk down Melbourne and see these people in the various alleyways at certain times of the day. Do we mourn? Is our heart in tune with God's as we see them? I was chatting with Paul Molyneux. Now, a number of you would remember Paul who has spoken here on a number of occasions a few years ago. And he now works with Mission Australia. And he told me of a, a, a quite an elderly man who had separated himself from a family and wanted to break all contact with them and so he went homeless. And they had no idea where he was. And he'd been with Mission Australia, living in their quarters and so forth for about two years and then one day he got some bad news from the doctor. And he only had a few months to live. But all the way along, you see, a chaplain through Mission Australia had built a relationship with him and was able to then to intensify that relationship and let him know, because of that relationship of his need for God, especially at a time like this. And then he said to him, because of the circumstances, would you like me to try and find your family? Oh, yes, please. And so he worked hard and he found the family. And they said, I know where your dad is. He'd like to see you. Would you care to re-establish relationship with him? Yes, please. And so right then they were able to bring those people back together because that chaplain mourned the sin in the world and gave his time to be able to reconnect people, to help those who were the outcasts in our society, chosen or not, 
to be in that situation. He chose to be God's servant. This Samaritan, do you remember when Chris spoke to us on Matthew 5, 38 to 48 back in July and he talked about loving enemies. You've heard when he said love your neighbour. Now I, I have great neighbours at home. I really do. I get on so with them and you probably do the same. They're fantastic neighbours. Love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous, the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, well, what reward will you get? Because that emphasises what he says just before where he says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. (laughs) But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This Samaritan, he not only went a mile, he took the person possibly out of his way to that inn. This person had no way of asking except that they were there in need. Someone asked for a shirt, he couldn't ask. He was possibly unconscious but he gave his coat. Everything that Jesus asked for in this was exemplified by this Samaritan. Folks, there are so many people in this world who are displaced. As I see some of these people who are living in the camps in Australia now, my heart breaks. Because I look at my family and I love them. And if I was in a situation in one of these other countries where persecution was coming upon my family, what would I do? Would my desire to go be to go and jump in a leaky boat no matter how terrifying that may be because I get seasick to get my family or to put together everything I have to just put my kids on that boat. We can sit back in our lovely houses and watch those plasma televisions and see this and yes, oh, what would, oh, look, oh, yeah. Folks, we need hearts that mourn for the sin in this world that causes these situations. Folks, we need to be Samaritans, that we would take those people because we see them as humans, without the right clothing, without the right background, without the right religion, without the right... We need to see them as people that Jesus died for. And we need to pray. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Father, I don't know what to feel. Lord, I don't know what the political solution is. Father, I'm only one. 
and allow him to say to us, yes, but you are one. Folks, he calls us to a radical change in life. He has blessed us. Blessed us. And we need to live as Jesus lived and take what he has given us no matter what it is. Is it our cloak they need? Is it the water or is it the oil and the the, the oil and the wine to bathe? Is it the two denarii and the open heart to say whatever else is needed? You know, they were only outward showings. It was the heart of the Samaritan that took that person. It was the heart of the Samaritan that lifted that person onto the donkey that day. It was the heart of the, of, the, of the Samaritan that spoke to that innkeeper. It was the heart of the Samaritan that brought that man back to health. Will you go home today and pray, Lord, take my heart Motivate me in the way you want me to be motivated. Let my heart be broken for the things that break your heart. And let me today be a Samaritan in this world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the scriptures. We could go through life loving you, being thankful for all that you've given to us. But as we read the scriptures, it drags us back to earth. It places our feet hard on the ground if we read it as you call us to read it. You want us to evidence our faith by being the people that love and care for those around us. You want us to be those who will put ourselves in harm's way, who will give even the shirt off our back and the money out of our wallets. You want us and you call us to go the extra mile. You ask for every part of our lives to be in service for you. I pray today, Father, that you will help us to do that and to be the people that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.